I'd like to report a truck driver that's been endangering my life. In that case, I'll have to give you the police, sir. Right. Well, give me the police. Sir, which department do you want? Whichever's closer. What number are you calling from? Uh, this this number is 9821. A lot of people will tell you that Steven Spielberg's big break came when he directed the TV movie Duel. Aired on ABC in America, it was so well received it secured a theatrical release in Europe in 1972. But Spielberg's real break came with a short film he had made in 1968. Amlin is about a young couple who meet as they make their way from the Californian desert towards the Pacific Ocean. The young woman is free-spirited, while the young man seems to be on some sort of musical journey. He has a guitar case that he simply won't let go of. There is no dialogue in its 26 minutes, but an acoustic guitar plays in the soundtrack. Then, when the two of them eventually arrive at the beach, the young woman discovers the contents of the man's guitar case. It's nothing musical at all, but rather it has a suit and a tie. Now, you can read all sorts of things into that revelation. Spielberg's supposed conservatism, for example. But really, the point I'm trying to make here is that the real launchpad for Spielberg's career was Amblin. But yeah, this was the first movie that sort of got me into the movies, because this movie got me a chance to have a contract to direct television at Universal Studios. So this movie is very dear to my heart. It was screened in almost every theatre venue across the US, and during its theatrical run, more people saw it than audiences did A Clockwork Orange, The French Connection or Dirty Harry. You see, Spielberg's short movie was shown as a support programme to the smash hit Love Story. That was back in the old days when a short film regularly supported the main feature. Unfortunately, that rarely happens now. Go down to your local multiplex and on average a film will be screened five times a day. If you put a 26-minute short film in front of the feature, that's two and a half hours of screening time, which eats into the amount of showings of the feature, which means the exhibitor loses money. But today you have the internet, and if you go onto YouTube, you can see Spielberg's emblem. Watch it and you'll see not a talent fully formed, but a talent confidently emerging. Here's another thing to note about emblem. The director of photography was Alan Davio, and he went on to lens Spielberg's later features, E.T., The Colour Purple, and Empire of the Sun. Now, I mention that because it is a way of marking out the different phases Spielberg has gone through in the course of his illustrious career. He has been so successful, and his career has been so long, that you can roughly, and I stress roughly, divide it into sections. Firstly, the early action and spectacle pictures, Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, and the first two Indiana Jones films. That brings us up to the mid-1980s, where Spielberg moved into what I gently call his greenhouse phase. The tone may still be light and warm, but there is a sense of new seeds being planted that will have deep roots. The colour purple... Empire of the Sun, the third Indiana Jones movie, Always and Hook. Not all of those films in that period are good, and the good ones are sometimes overlooked now because of what Spielberg did next. In 1993, Spielberg delivered Jurassic Park. 
a film that Universal Studios had been holding up its sleeve in the expectation that he would direct it. In fact, Spielberg was coerced into making it because he needed to direct Schindler's List, and the only way he could get studio backing for a three-hour black-and-white movie centering on the Holocaust was if he agreed to do the science fiction blockbuster. And that should tell you a lot about Spielberg's understanding of film being an industry as much as it is an art. Remember also that Spielberg is a producer and he runs his own studio, DreamWorks. Schindler's List marked the mature phase and to grow into it, Spielberg needed to alter his visual style. To get that, he recruited a Polish director of photography, Janusz Kaminski. Compare the way Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan looks to, say, The Color Purple and Empire of the Sun. So it's not only the content of his films that have changed, but the technical explorations. With Schindler's List, Spielberg's material got tougher. Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report and Munich showed thematic rigour and execution that was startlingly different from Indiana Jones. All this blood comes back to us. Eventually it will work. Even if it takes years, we'll beat them. But Jews have Jews don't do wrong because our enemies do wrong. can't afford to be that decent anymore. I don't know that we ever were that decent. Suffering thousands of years of hatred doesn't make you decent. But we're supposed to be righteous. That's a beautiful thing. That's Jewish. That's what I knew. That's what I was taught. And now I'm losing it. I lose that. That's, 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 that's everything. That's my soul. But more recently, there appears to have been some tapering off. The fourth Indiana Jones film and last year's double whammy of Tintin and War Horse are more consolidations rather than explorations of new material. But don't dismiss him just yet. Spielberg's incredible commercial instinct is coupled by incredible invention. Because his films are so successful, the temptation is to presume he doesn't take risks. The truth is, his continued successes disguise the risks he takes, and the paradox is that the risks don't limit the success. I've mentioned two of his collaborators, so I need to mention three more. With the exception of one film, The Colour Purple, John Williams has been the orchestrator to Spielberg's visuals ever since they first worked together on the Sugarland Express in 1974. Jaws, Raiders, E.T., Schindler's List. Can you imagine a movie without Williams's baton? People, you know, Stephen, are always asking about me, certainly me and probably you also, what is unique about our collaboration. And we, today's chat we talked a little bit about, mm-hmm. and I would never be able to say why these things work. I, I would just say one thing about Stephen and our, our relationship. And that is that Stephen is, as much as I, or even more, a lover of music. And when we have our recording sessions, he comes there, he's not anxious about the music or the film, and he will sit there next to the podium or walk around the room and imbibes the sound of the orchestra and loves it like he's paid a ticket to a concert. But there is another collaborator who was not mentioned enough, and that is Spielberg's editor, Michael Kahn. With the exception of E.T., Khan has edited every Spielberg movie since Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And throughout that time, Khan has won three Oscars. He shoots a lot of coverage, and I, I found out on Close Encounters there was a lot of coverage there. And at one point we decided, and I was cutting and it was fine. At one point I said, you know, uh, it's so much better 
if I could sit with you before I start using the scissor and get your okay takes, or what you think are okay takes, it would save weeks over the course of the weeks. Because all I do, I, I go to the takes that he likes. And, and that we found it, that, that was our technique. That's what we do even today. The third collaborator is Kathleen Kennedy. She began as an intern in the production office of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And because of her organizational abilities, Spielberg took her out of the production office and for his next picture, made her an executive producer. Three years later, Kathleen Kennedy was producing E.T. She was all of 29 years of age. Since then, she's collaborated with Spielberg on 16 of his films and produced her own Oscar-nominated movies, The Sixth Sense, Seabiscuit, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I learned something having children in preschool, which is you never say no. You always give a choice. So I, yes, it's actually a really interesting <laughs> rule that I use all the time that I think is great, which is it challenges you to say, it's not going to do any good to say no if you don't have a solution. So Spielberg has many longtime collaborators because he recognizes and nurtures talent. And that talent is then regarded as a peer. But the thing that keeps Spielberg is his youth and his youth is fueled by his incredible curiosity. That curiosity leads him to engage with all sorts of technological advancements, special effects, digital filmmaking, and 3D. And if you complain about all that technology, may I gently remind you that with the exception of architecture, cinema is the most technologically reliant of all the arts. (laughs) 